When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, RingCentral makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. RingCentral, simpler communications. Shopify presents cool sheets from aha to lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat-induced insomnia. That was my aha moment. Bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible. Signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. One-stop shop for all your unique fandom sports apparel with fully licensed merchandise covering the major five sports, your favorite players, and all the teams from every major city with unique feature designs that only you as the fan will have. Go to intheclutch.com and use promo code BELLYUPMDFFSHOW for 10% off your order today with free shipping on orders of $100 or more. Again, that's promo code BELLYUPMDFFSHOW for 10% off your unique fandom collection today. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Welcome, MD Nation, and thank you for tuning in to the MD's Fantasy Football Show live on the MD's Fantasy Football Show YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe to get all of our content there. We're also live on social media at Show. Give us a follow. We have all those player news notifications coming out, especially now. We're getting into July. We're getting close to August. There's actually some news to talk about, some fantasy analysis to have. Plus, it's a great way to get in contact with us. It'll help you out with your fantasy football leagues, both before and during the season. And then while you're at doing all that, download us and give us a five-star review on your favorite podcast app so you can catch every episode at your convenience. I'm your host, Dan Mater, for the evening and every night for the show, frankly. And then I have my co-host here. Chris Dowhauer. Chris, how's it going today? Going pretty good. Talking about all this football. Also, training camp right around the corner. Getting really excited. Team's starting to report. Uh, football is definitely right here. Cutting ready for fantasy. A lot of teams, people are drafting already. So, yeah, ready to get the show started. I know. I'm trying to put all this, I'm trying to put all these news notifications out there. And in years past, I used to put out anything that came through the desk this time of year. Like anything that was semi-newsworthy, I started putting out. I don't do that as much anymore because 
a lot of it outside of reports about guys progressing in their injuries, it's a lot of fluff. Yeah, there might be some guys who are coming in out of shape. There might be some guys who look great. But when you get to this time of year, everyone looks awesome. Everybody's in a, a battle. This guy's getting first team reps. This guy's all the way in the back end of the depth chart. And then you'll find that everything changes week one of training camp. So I'm kind of waiting until training camp starts kicking off before we start getting into the reports about the positional battles. But I'm keeping you guys up to date as far as it comes to injuries, because that is something we're keeping our eyes on as we move closer and closer. But today's show is not about that. We'll have an episode about that later on in August. But today's show, we're carrying on the team profile series. We're talking about the Packers, the Lions, the Vikings, and the Bears covering the entire NFC North. And this episode marks us getting over the hump of the middle of our series. Because after this, we only have three more episodes until we get to August. We'll be on vacation in two weeks, so I'll have a week off there. But then we're going to lead it all the way up to August, where we go to two episodes a week, get into our best five, bus five, our injuries, our mock drafts, all that good stuff. So very excited to get you more and more content, but very excited for today's show, too. When you look at the NFC North... We look at the possibility of a landscape changing. So, Chris, I'm going to put this out there before we actually get into the details of our show, which is, you know, our our fantasy picks. But I'm picking the Minnesota Vikings to win this division. And if you're betting right now, that might be a value for you to go to. It's, it's plus odds. It's plus 120 right now in favor of the Minnesota Vikings. I think they're actually looking like the best team in the NFC North to take over the reigning champ Green Bay Packers. Am I crazy? No. I mean, just to go to your betting point, I just recently made a bet on the Vikings for the conference winners as 5,000 to 1 right now. So, I mean, right now you're looking at a team that I think can surprise a lot of people. I think the personnel fits the change in coaching staff. And you talk about a division that's definitely in turmoil. Uh, this Viking you know, team should be the team that could probably be the superior team in this division. So I think you're not you know, off your rockers. I think it is something to kind of look at, whether you're betting it for a division or even for a long shot. Yeah, so I just want to put it out there. We'll get to the fantasy football of it all now, but I think it's finally time that the Green Bay Packers take a step down. Speaking of the Green Bay Packers. Look out for... That's right. We're looking out. We're looking out for the quarterbacks moving into them. We're looking out for Aaron Rodgers. And I'm looking out for the red flags. I'm not looking out for Aaron Rodgers. Surprises all. I'm looking out for Aaron Rodgers and the red flags surrounding him this season, guys. Don't take it for granted just because he's Aaron Rodgers. Right now, his ADP sits at QB 10. He's my quarterback 12 right now. And I am struggling, Chris, struggling with why I should not be placing Derek Carr, who I have at QB 14, over Aaron Rodgers, quite frankly. Now, if you guys are wondering and trying to do the math, well, who's your QB 13? That's just Sean Watson. I'm using Watson right now as kind of like a bookmark of like, I'm just keeping my quarterback 12 separate from the rest of the QBs because the ranking on Watson right now is irrelevant out of anybody. But what I getting back to the car and Rodgers point, I'm just, I'm finding, I'm, I'm finding myself like, why? Why shouldn't I put Carr over Rodgers? The reason I don't right now is because I go back to 2019, which was Aaron Rodgers' his worst year of his career, right? He still finished at the end of the day as the QB 10, and that was the worst finish that he had. Mind-boggling to me because I actually had Rodgers at a couple of fantasy leagues that season, and he became a streaming quarterback to me. I wasn't even starting him every week anymore because of how hit or miss he was, and he wasn't booming. We didn't get any top three weeks out of him that year. I look at that season and think to myself, why doesn't this year set up similar to that year? You have no more Devontae Adams for the first time since 2013. You don't have a wide receiver one since 2013. Because remember, even when Adams was first coming up, they still had Jordy Nelson. So for since then, first time, no wide receiver one, a bunch of unknown commodities. We don't know what Alan Lazard is going to be like as the top team wide receiver. We don't know what the ghost of Sammy Watkins and Randall Cobb has left. We don't know what the rookies of Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs are going to be. We don't know how Robert Tanyan is going to be able to come back from his ACL injury. I look at all of these variables, and I think to myself, at best, Rodgers is able to finish as a QB 10 because he's just that good. But that means you are probably a streaming quarterback on a week-to-week basis. Am I crazy? No, I mean, I think that's where people have kind of predicting Aaron Rodgers to be for the last couple of years. People keep waiting for him to you know, kind of collapse and fall. I look, 
I'm not on the Aaron Rodgers is going to fall off the face of the earth, but I don't disagree with you that Aaron Rodgers is the top tier elite option is definitely out the window this year. The only thing that you can argue why he should be in that eight to 12 range, which I think he's still going to probably find up wind up being is because he's Aaron Rodgers and somehow, some way that offense runs through him. If they're able to pick up the pace, just even a little bit compared to last year, you can see some production kind of scoot, you know, scoot up from there. Uh, Devonta Adams definitely will be missed. You definitely haven't seen him kind of ha- not have weapons like this in a long, long time. But the short passing attack should still be kind of in play. The running backs will still be options out of the backfield. Aaron Rodgers can still kind of read defenses in his sleep. And it plays a division that doesn't have any defenses that jump off at you either. So put all those things together. Aaron Rodgers definitely has a chance to still be a pretty good quarterback. Now, to your point, am I going to make sure I have somebody to pair him with, to kind of rotate him with if I'm drafting Aaron Rodgers? Absolutely. He's no longer going to be the guy on your team. You better make sure you have two quarterbacks on your team as an option. But even if all that comes to fruition, like you're saying, like maybe they do pick up the pace, which I don't see why they would by being more conservative, which is the direction I see them going without Adams. But let's say that they do pick up the pace. Even then, you're talking about Aaron Rodgers. What's his upside? Is it QB8 tops? If that's the case, there's so many other quarterbacks that I think I'd just rather take a shot on this year. And I can understand that, but I look at him like kind of like a Ryan Tannehill, for example. Ryan Tannehill is one of those guys that kind of is around that top 10 and not always the prettiest numbers, not always the you know, numbers you want to have in your roster, in your lineup week in, week out, but a guy's going to be pretty good to have. So that's why I look at Aaron Rodgers. I can't argue that he might not be the elite option, but having said that, what do we know that Aaron Rodgers can't do? We have seen him be really good the last couple of years, and even as you pointed out, his down year, quote-unquote, he was still in the top 10. So with that, and like I said, a defense, a division that doesn't have any defenses really jump out at you, there's still a chance for Aaron Rodgers to get some easy yards and some easy points. So that's where I think you're kind of looking at the veteran quarterback being able to kind of generate points in this league versus just kind of having talent around him to do so. It'll be interesting. Look out for. All right. I want to look out for Kirk Cousins for different reasons. Now, this surprised me. And rankings change. My rankings will change between now and training camp, midway through training camp, before the draft, before the, the, the first week of the season starts, when we're still in prime draft season, they'll change. But I was still surprised that in my initial wave of rankings, I'm actually two spots lower than the current ADP on Kirk Cousins right now. His ADP is sitting at QB 14 by quarterback 16 as of this moment. And the reason I was surprised because, well, I see the upside that everybody else sees. You're changing the offense to a a pass-first-minded head coach. Uh, You have the weapons. You have the uh, affiliation with Kevin O'Connell going back to Washington when he was the quarterback coach of Kirk Cousins, so he has that familiarity with him. I believe Cousins can run this type of offense very well that Kevin O'Connell is going to be bringing over from the Rams with him. So all those things bode well for Cousins having upside. Why do I have my QB 16 then? Why am I lower than ADP? Well, one thing that I did find interesting, and you go back in the research, you look at last year, you look at the Minnesota Vikings. All this talk about them being a run-first team, 57% of the time they were a pass team. They were a pass-first team. They weren't a run-first team last season. Now, yes, was that due to the fact that their defense was terrible and just kind of more out of necessity than anything else? Yes. Is it different when you have a pass-minded head coach versus a run-first-minded offensive coordinator calling the plays as far as your overall passing creativity, the open space, and everything like that. Yes, all those things are different. I'm not saying that Kevin O'Connell's passing concepts that he's bringing over is going to be as inefficient as it was under the Kubiak uh, regime last year. But when I look at Kirk Cousins, I think to myself, you know what? You're going to be the perfect high-end QB2 going into next season who's a streaming quarterback who we could take late if you want to wait on the quarterback position, who does have a little extra upside, I believe, with the change. So my question to you, Chris, is simply this. Can he take the next step up with the offensive-minded head coach taking over? Yes, but not the next step up some people are talking about. Look, a lot of people are comparing his numbers jump to Matthew Stafford's numbers jump fantasy-wise, and I'm not looking at those that kind of numbers. Right. He's not going to be a guy who's going to necessarily finish the top five, but – I will almost bet he will, barring injury, should finish in the top 12, if not in the top 10. Kirk Cousins has been with that mid-tier quarterback, no matter what he's been kind of offensive-wise the last few years. He's always kind of, you know, around that top 15-ish, um, a guy that is consistent with he's talking about with the yardage, because even when they pass a lot, it's very inconsistent from game to game. 
It's we're down 28 nothing, and then we throw the ball a whole bunch, and the next game we run a bunch of ball, and I had you know 133 yards passing, and I screwed you that week. The difference, I think, this season is going to be, as you pointed out, familiarity with the coaching staff, and as I talked about Green Bay, a change in pace. Change in pace, I think, is going to be gigantic for this team with a lot of playmakers, a lot of talent, and a lot more explosion that's going to be looking to try to get mismatches and try to take advantage of teams kind of missing coverages or missing things. So you put those things together. I think Kirk Cousins has that chance to finish in the top 10 and be one of those quarterbacks that, you know, is going to be a guy that can be good for you week in, week out. The only thing I do say limited to him is he's not going to be a guy who's going to be throwing 350 yards and four touchdowns every week either. So I think there's a kind of happy medium in between where he's not the top tier like a Josh Allen or even a Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. He's on that kind of legs. But when you think of Matthew Stafford, a Tom Brady, maybe a notch below those kinds of guys, but right around those range, right, right around with them. Totally agree. Look out for. All right. Look out for Justin Fields. Now, right now, the ADP I'm completely fine with. It's sitting there at QB 18. I have him two spots lower. I got him at QB 20. I have to say this, though. I don't feel great about ranking Justin Fields at the QB 20. The reason I don't feel great about it, despite the fact that I'm not a fan of the coaching staff, I'm not a fan of the fact that Darnell Mooney is is his number one and possibly only real option down the field, not a fan of the fact that the offensive line is not very good and he's going to probably spend most of his time running for his life and not developing as as a pocket quarterback, which is a big reason why he comes all the way down to my QB 20 for me. But I don't feel great about the ranking because Justin Fields last season was horrible to start out, but did get better as the season wore on. And the one, especially from a fantasy standpoint, the biggest reason why he got better was because from week six on, he was on a pace of about 126 rush attempts. If he comes into this year and he goes over 100 rush attempts, which is a very good possibility when you're talking about Justin Fields, that threshold you're talking about, it's very difficult for a quarterback not to finish inside the top 10 if they're going to run 100 times in a season. So that's why I don't feel great about ranking him at QB 20, but everything else is so bad around him, that's where I have him right now. So it's kind of my long-winded way of saying, while I don't have him ranked high, because his cost in your draft, which in 12-man, one-quarterback leagues is probably not even having to draft him at all, or drafting him very, very late as your second or third quarterback if you're playing as a stream, I'm fine with utilizing him in that space, fine viewing him as a guy who could potentially be a sleeper with upside to outperform his ADP because that threshold of 100-plus carries is in his realm of outcomes. That's what I'm looking at with Justin Fields, so I don't have him break that high, but he is somebody who I think could outperform that area. Yeah, I think if you're in any two quarterback leagues, you definitely would have Justin Fields on your roster. And I think, as we kind of talked about, I'm not a huge fan of doing it in division, but let's say you have a Kirk Cousins or an Aaron Rodgers pairing up with Justin Fields on your bench, that those two players together can definitely could carry your fantasy team where you're not necessarily sure a guy's a top-tier guy, but you think he has some good weeks. Having a guy like that with some legs, having a floor and some upside can definitely be a nice guy to pair him with. And I think why you're having a hard time kind of you know being comfortable with 20 as you look at Jalen Hurts last year and you realize it doesn't take accuracy, it doesn't nope. take really any only points, it just takes you running your ball once in a while and scrambling around and getting you some yards, and that can carry you. It can take realize. high touchdowns in the rushing game, too. And that that's the other thing. I don't know how many times they're going to be in position because while I had my reservation about the Eagles, I was not as down on them, most because of their offensive line and some they had some better weapons. I was not as down on that offense as I am right now on Chicago's heading into 2022. I think that's the biggest difference for me right now, but well, again, we'll go back, we'll tweak, we'll look at the algorithm, look at a different, bunch of different variables and see if he stays there. But he definitely has some upside at that point. I want to get to our, our next guy here. Be cautious of. Now, yes, be cautious of Jared Goff. He's the last-ranked quarterback we have in the division. And it's not a sense of be cautious of Jared Goff because you're worried about drafting him in your fantasy football drafts or anything like that. It's what he can do for everything else and everyone else being fantasy relevant around him. He is not. He's there to hold down the fort for at least one more season until they're able to actually find their franchise guy. We'll see exactly who that's going to be at some point. But I think the overall point with Jared Goff is this. He proved last year that the key certain guys that you need getting the football from a fantasy standpoint is what he can do. 
That's what Jared Goff is. He's not fantasy relevant in any other format. And be cautious of anything. Be cautious of a dynasty. Okay? He's not going to turn around. He is going to eventually be a backup, I think, sooner rather than later. You got anything you want to say on Jared Goff before we move on to the running backs? I will say one thing, and I'm not going to you know go out too far to limb here. Jared Goff has had some production in his career, so he's not a terrible quarterback. It was pretty good for a period of time in fantasy-wise for the Rams. The weapons he has in place, and as you kind of point out, they're they're – for getting the people the ball that are you know their their playmakers is kind of exciting for me a little bit in a sense that look at the coaching staff Dan Campbell for example coming from New Orleans you see some parallels with Drew Brees Michael Thomas some of the guys the playmakers getting the ball now Jared Goff I'm not saying he's Drew Brees but you put guys that can position with playmakers around them they can throw accurate passes you can have some big games here or there so Jared Goff might be a guy to kind of keep your eye on for, you know, streaming purposes or for DFS leagues where I think it's got people who just write him off as you're just some scrub, but he's going to have some decent games this season. Lock him in. It's a lock. Moving to the running backs. Lock him in. My first lock him in of this division is going to be David Montgomery. His ADP, I love his ADP. His ADP is RB18 right now. I have him ranked by RB13, my top RB2 heading into this season. That ADP around RB18, that means he's going in at the very earliest, late second round, most of the time the third round, maybe even mid to late third round. Oh, man. Oh, man, do I love his, do I love his value there. You're talking about a guy that's going to get all the volume, rushing, receiving, We've seen what happens when David Montgomery gets all the volume from every aspect, even on a bad offense, what he can do. He can be an RB1. He's proven that in the past. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be this year. That's why I haven't ranked at RB13. But you give me running backs who get that kind of volume. They're so few, so far between with an actual talented player who's still on the right side of his age. Yeah, I like David Montgomery a lot. I like his ceiling. I especially like his floor for a guy who's going as RB18 right now in ADP. I would take him a little bit higher. But where are you on David Montgomery? Now, I would definitely take a little higher than 18, but I'm not necessarily as high as him as you are. Um, I think Montgomery's going to have a really solid season. I do have some concerns with the new coaching regime that they might get acute. He might not be the bell cow necessarily that we're kind of expecting him to be. Uh, Khalil Hubbard looked good last year. David Montgomery is in the last year of his deal. Um, this Which offense. I think is all the more reason why they just use it. And, and, and maybe they could, but he talked about Justin Fields kind of being running more and how he kind of started running. Uh, David Montgomery wasn't the healthiest last year, so I have to see him, A, be able to carry that kind of load, and B, Justin Fields not kind of vulture him, and then C, the offense able to move the ball enough to score some points. Now, if he's going to be passing catcher and running back and be able to kind of get away with having you know, no touchdowns, then you're going to be okay. But if you're going to have a guy who's going to be kind of streamlined or get less of one of those and not scoring touchdowns, then it's hard to kind of say he's going to be a top you know, 10, top tier running back. Um, so I think you guys are kind of right in the middle. I probably am about top 15. I think I'd probably split the hairs, but I think David Montgomery is definitely a good player to have in your team. I just don't think he's necessarily a knockout this year. You are hitting something when you talk about the touchdowns, because if he could raise his touchdown efficiency, which right now in his career has been 2.9%, if he could raise that by just a percentage point or a percent and a half, 3.9 to somewhere between 3.9 and 4.5, if he could do that, he would be a bona fide RB1. Just that little bit, just that little bit more efficiency in the red zone, he would be a bona fide RB1. Not necessarily saying I'm expecting that to happen this season, but that's all it would take for him to make that jump from being a guy that an RB2 that you like with the volume he's expected to get to being a bona fide top 10 running back. That's all it would take for him. The next guy I'm very excited about as well, even though his value has kind of adjusted, unfortunately. Lock him in. It's a lock. Lock in Aaron Jones. So about a month ago, a few weeks ago, we were talking about Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. A.J. Dillon was going as like an RB30, 31 in the ADP rankings. And Aaron Jones was actually down where David Montgomery is now in that RB18-ish type territory. And I was licking my chops. And I'm sitting there like, you guys are crazy. That has since corrected itself. So Aaron Jones is now... His ADP is actually RB13. I got him at RB14. So the ADP is actually surpassed my ranking. AJ Dillon has only climbed all the way up to RB25. I had him at RB24. So now the ADP is kind of right around where I had these guys ranked to begin with. But I'm glad people caught up and realized, like, look, I say it all the time. Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt. 
There is no reason why you can't have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt on your team. Kareem Hunt's a top 24 guy. Nick Chubb is at the very least a low-end RB1, if not higher, bare minimum an RB2 most weeks. But both these guys are guys you can have on your teams and plug in. Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon are going to be the same exact way. There's no receiver one, just like there wasn't in Cleveland. It's going to be a run-first team, and these guys are going to get enough work because of the roles that they fill into with this offense that I'm not worried about volume and them vulturing each other to keep themselves fantasy irrelevant any given week. They are going to be the main focal featured weapons of these offenses moving forward. That's why I love Aaron Jones. Lock him in as a top-end RB2. Lock in A.J. Dillon as a back-end RB2. And the last thing I'll say before I kick this over to Chris is that if you find yourself in your drafts in a situation where you took Aaron Jones in the first couple of rounds and you find yourself later on in the fifth, sixth-round territory, whatever the case may be, and A.J. Dillon's the best guy on your board, but you think to yourself because you have Aaron Jones already, you shouldn't do it, I'm here to tell you, do not let that hesitate. Do not let that make you not take A.J. Dillon if he has the value right there. Don't do it. You can have them both. You'll be fine with both. And if one thing happens to the other guy, you have a top five running back on your hands. But, Chris, when you look at Aaron Jones and you look at A.J. Dillon, what are you feeling this season? I, I 100% agree with you. And I'll just give you an example of how you saw that last year. Like James Conner and Chase Edmonds, when they were both were healthy and both playing for Arizona, you could have both of them in your lineup and feel just fine about it. So I 100% agree with you. Aaron Jones, to me, is the second guy that I have. And I'm, I think we're missing somebody on this list. Um, but the second guy, uh, for me, Aaron Jones, is over Dave Montgomery. Aaron Jones is going to be the most talented playmaker on that offense. So when you look at what he can do with the ball in his hands, pass catching and running the ball, I don't care about H. Dillon stealing touches from him, quote-unquote. As you pointed out, Cleveland's a great example. When the guy can catch the ball and that's his role, then you're you have a good floor. But Aaron Jones isn't strictly a pass catcher. He's going to get plenty of carries. He's going to be out there with both these guys out there. I wouldn't be surprised you see Aaron Jones kind of use more of the weapon in some senses this year all over the field. So put all those things. I've always been kind of an Aaron Jones hater to a degree. Sign me up for Aaron Jones this year. And where you see him ADP-wise, whether he keeps keeping up or not, I have him in my top 10, so he's still not high enough for me. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And you're right. We did we did miss somebody. Obvious starters. Welcome back, Captain Obvious. Yes, I am. I was so excited to talk about the other guys that I just skipped over. Dalvin Cook being an obvious starter, an obvious top five guy. He's my RB4 on the year right now. ADP-wise, he is up at RB. I'm pulling it up now. If I can just get it in front of me. He is RB5. So I'm one spot ahead of the ADP when it comes to Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook is great, and that's probably why I forgot about him because there's, there's nothing else to say. The guy's a top five running back. Are you a little bit worried that he's going to miss a couple of games? Sure. Are you that worried? Because at this point, I think if you've had Dalvin Cook, if you're seasoned in drafting Dalvin Cook, well, then you're seasoned in making sure you get Alexander Madison at a certain point, and that has worked out. Last year, it was great. If you had Alexander Madison, you didn't lose too much when you went from Dalvin Cook to him as far as your running back overall production. That is the one guy, I, while I don't like drafting handcuffs, Cook is that one guy because you have a clear-cut handcuff. I want Madison around earlier if I'm going to wind up with a Dalvin Cook. No doubt about it. There is a little more excitement around Cook. Same thing we talked about Kirk Cousins. He's going to get more involved in the passing game. He's finally coming with Kevin O'Connell, who not only has a history of sticking with one running back, which is great, great news for him, but also, does that mean he finally gets more involved in the passing game? It's been putrid for cook and his targets given his skill set and his ability does that change does that mean he should be considered a top three running back i, I can't push him much higher because i already have him in the top four but these are all reasons why cook remains in the top five for me anything you want to say about your boy 100 percent agree with you man i think he's going to be a guy you could argue could be in the top three or if not number one overall i mean the injuries is the only concern you really have for this guy this offensive fit is fantastic you look what the Rams running backs have been able to do with this kind of offense, and you put Dalvin Cook in that kind of situation, and then they're already talk about. I know it's joint training camp and kind of mini camps, and we're, you know, we don't want to get too much ahead of things coming out, but they are moving him all over the formations, lining him up a receiver. I love this guy at Florida State being that yeah, kind of weapon, like an Alvin Kamara. We have not seen that in the NFL yet, and we might get a chance to see this. And with his offense going to be, you know, pushing the pace more down the field, I think you're going to see more explosive plays out of Dalvin Cook on top of everything. So maybe the wear and tear won't be so much because more explosion means less carries. And, hey, 
I'm all about Dalvin Cook this year for sure. Yeah, I, I will say I'm all about Dalvin Cook getting a few more targets and a few less carries. All about that life. This next guy, you got to tell me, Chris, if I'm having a hot take here. Look out for. So I'm looking out for DeAndre Swift. And I want to make something crystal clear before I, I get into this. I love DeAndre Swift. Pre-draft process, I had Swift number one, Jonathan Taylor number two. Last year, I was ahead of ADP and ahead of ACR. I was one of the very few people out there who had him inside his top 10 in his rankings going into the pre-draft process. This year, I feel myself zagging while everyone else zigs. DeAndre Swift right now, ADP RB9. He's actually my ranks as my RB17. couple of reasons for that. I just think I'm taking into consideration those red flags that are surrounding DeAndre Swift more so than anybody else is. You're talking about a guy who has yet, and it's early on in his career, he's only played two years, obviously, but he has yet to play a full season. And we're not talking about he's just missed like two or two or one or two games here or there. We're talking about a guy who's missed like four and five games for the, last, for the past couple of years. That's a factor for me. If I'm if I have to pay a first round top ten running back ADP price, then I have to be confident in the overall production, the overall availability that I'm going to have that season. So it's a guy I do feel like I have to worry about that. Here's the other thing. Jamal Williams isn't going anywhere this year. They brought him in to have a significant work share. Now, last season, it was 52% to 48% from weeks one through seven when they were both actually healthy in favor of Swift, Swift when it came to carries. Now, obviously, we know Swift dominated the, the, the passing targets, and I expect that to continue to happen. That's a close That's a close measure. And he was great last year. I'm not disputing that. This year, does it maybe, does it maybe go 55-45? I think the upside of it is 60-40 as far as split goes. But maybe it's 55-45. But then we get to the, the passing side, the receiving side for DeAndre Swift. And this is a guy that gets like five-plus targets a game. Absolutely great, incredible one of the biggest reasons he was inside my top 10 heading into last season. What's different this year? Well, we have the emergence of Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, TJ Hawkinson does return. They added DJ Chark, which, as, as you know, whatever you think about DJ Chark, he's still better than any receiver they had last season, not named St. Brown, especially early on before he got going. You have the potential return at some point of a Jamison Williams. Is all of that enough? to knock it down from five targets to maybe talking three or four. And if we're talking three or four, that might be enough with the injury risk that he presents to maybe be more of an RB2 rather than an RB1. I love DeAndre Swift. I don't want to be, I don't want to get trolled on social media that I'm a hater of DeAndre Swift. But there's red flags that I think are not being taken into consideration that are there. Go ahead, Chris. You want me to hit the hot take alarm? I know. I mean that you're you're making you're almost convincing me that I'm wrong now because I'm actually coming to the other side of DeAndre Swift, where I think that maybe you're a little too sour on them. Um, but I do understand your concerns. I, I understand your concerns. I think that you look at you know the different things around him, especially personnel wise, and the injury concerns and the usage with James Williams. But I go back to that New Orleans comparison. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. And if he could be the Alvin Kamara to this offense, and he, even if he gets 45% of the rushes versus 55%, that's never none of that matters as long as you're the explosive guy who gets the playmaking opportunity. The usage of the, him, him in the red zone still gives me faith that he can still be a top-tier running back because 
even I doubted last year whether he was a great, you know, red zone guy or a guy they're going to use. He's very efficient, and they continued to utilize him and Jamal Williams. They didn't necessarily have a preference, similar to Green Bay, where it wasn't like this is A.J. Dillon's job. Is Aaron Jones was still utilized in the red zone. So I think Swift has a chance with his offense to be more explosive, to have some you know, touchdowns more. Then you talk about the playmakers. When Jameson Williams comes back to this offense, the attention he's going to take I think this opens up things even more for Swift in a lot of ways where his explosiveness and his ability to make people miss is going to kind of help him maybe stay fresher and maybe not get as dinged up or banged up because he can have bigger plays and won't be asked to kind of, you know, get the grind out yards. So putting all that together, I think a guy that you're definitely going to have in your top 15, I think he could, you know, easily argue he could be the top 10, but I definitely understand where you're coming from, some of the trepidation. I just think that by the time the season comes, you'll turn on, you'll you'll come back onto your boy a little bit because I think there's still a lot of upside there to kind of grasp onto, especially with a really good offensive line. Let me put it out out there too. Not a lot of teams got good offensive lines. It's got Detroit's got a good offensive line coming up, and I think put all those pieces together with continuity, he's got a chance to really explode this year. Look, and like I, I said earlier in the show, I preface this where rankings change. My rankings, I expect to change as we get closer about this process. I I don't want to be this low in DeAndre Swift, so I'll probably look for reasons to move him up. But there's Injury factors, not injury factors, one of, there's multiple factors as to why I think you guys need to take in consideration. You may not want to pay the first round price tag. Well, that, that part I 100% agree with. The top, to take it into the top 10 is not somewhere I think you could feel comfortable, especially if you start going through the names on the board and start realizing where he kind of falls to some of those names. I understand something, you know, if you're in a, a full point PPR league, maybe you took DeAndre Swift over like a Nick Chubb, for example. But some of these guys, I think, are money in the bank running backs where you're to your point. This guy's still got a lot of questions to be reaching in the first round. All right. We got to go to a break. I know I'm going to get flagged down on social media as a hater DeAndre Swift. That's fine. Just MD Nation. Let someone else make that mistake. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we got wide receivers and tight ends to talk about in the, in the NFC North. So everybody stay tuned. The MD's Fantasy Football Show will be back right after this. Weddy Sack Summer is approaching, and it's time for you to prioritize the comfort of your crotch. That's why the kings of crotch comfort, Manscaped, have spent two years designing the most comfortable boxer briefs out there. I've had the honor of testing out these new boxers, and I can say it's the softest fabric of any underwear. So breathable that it's like gills for your groin. They even trademarked the jewel pouch, so you know it's serious. I think it's time you invest in your family jewels, so let your bulge breathe and get 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at manscaped.com. Let's say you're on a date and your partner catches that Manscaped on the waistband of your underwear. It's almost guaranteed to raise some eyebrows and act like a billboard on the highway to Pleasure Town. This is thanks to the Lawnmower 4.0, the best electric trimmer for below-the-waist grooming. This trimmer offers skin-safe technology designed to trim hair on loose skin. Outside of just ball trimming, they're now focusing their efforts on helping out your thigh slappers in other ways with game-changing boxers. These boxer features include the Jewel Pouch, a pouch designed to cradle your boys in their own special space, lined with perforated performance fabric, and keep them well-ventilated. Basically, just imagine your balls sipping pina coladas, chilling on a hammock on some tropical beach. Get 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at manscaped.com. One more time. That's promo code BELLYUPFANTASY to get 20% off and free shipping. Once the Boxers 2.0 touch your sack, you'll never go back. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Welcome back, MD Nation, and thank you for tuning in to the MD's Fantasy Football Show live on the MD's Fantasy Football Show YouTube channel. Please subscribe there so you get notified whenever we do have new content available for you. Follow us over on social media where we're also live at, at BillyUpMDFF Show. We got player news notifications coming to you throughout the offseason and throughout the season. Make sure you contact there if you ever need help for your fantasy football league. And download us and give us a five-star review because that really helps on your favorite podcast app when you get the chance so you can listen to our episodes at your convenience. I'm your host, Dan Mater. I'm joined here with Chris Dowhauer. Got some explosive takes. I'm waiting I'm waiting for my social media feed to blow up. We got some explosive takes happening here on the AFC, on the NFC North. It keeps doing that. The AFC North we're talking about next week. On the NFC North episode, 
And apparently we just lost Chris. I'm not sure what happened there, but hopefully we'll be able to get him back uh, pretty soon. So carrying on here, let's go into the wide receivers and we'll get Chris back in when he's able to be available. But first up, we have none other than Obvious Starters. Welcome back, Captain Obvious. Yes, I am. Yeah, obviously we love Justin Jefferson. He's my wide receiver too. Overall, second only to Cooper Cup this season. And apparently, he's the wide receiver, too, to all of the ADP as well. Look, Justin Jefferson is phenomenal in what he's able to bring to the table. Obviously, we love the fact that he is going to be in this new Kevin O'Connell from the Rams system, this pass-first, this open-space creativity type of system, play-action-based we also love, you have to admit, when you look at what Cooper Cup did last season, that's what everybody's all you know excited about. And I'm not saying he's going to put up Cooper Cup-like numbers. I don't expect him to you know, get up that high. That was a record-breaking season. Let's keep that all in mind. But look at what Cooper Cup was able to do, and then think about Justin Jefferson playing that same exact role within that offense. It's hard not to get excited about it. That's why we're so big on Justin Jefferson. That's why the public is. That's why I am. And there's really not much more to say other than Jefferson's great. And if you get a chance to draft him in the first round, you should absolutely go ahead and pull in the trigger. So let's move on to our next wide receiver. Lock him in. It's a lock. Lock in Darnell Mooney. So, I don't love the Chicago offense. And I talked about how I had Justin Fields ranked as my 20th quarterback and how I don't like being that low on him, but the offense has me worried. We have seen in the past that even if a quarterback or an offense in general is bad, it can still sometimes sustain one wide receiver and a running back. That running back is getting a lot of the volume. I talked about how much I like David Montgomery. Well, I do like Darnell Mooney as a wide receiver two, wide receiver three type of player. Right now, his ADP is a little bit higher than what I am. Wide receiver 24, I have him ranked as my wide receiver 28. It's the floor, right? It's the volume. It's the fact that I know that when it comes down to it, when they're having the pass and they're having to come back from behind, which is going to happen a lot in Chicago this season, it ain't going to be Velas Jones. It's probably not going to be called Komet. It's not gonna bite, it's not gonna be Byron Pringle. It's gonna be Darnell Mooney getting an absurd amount of targets for the talent that he is. Because frankly, Darnell Mooney, if we're being honest about it from an NFL standpoint, he he's really best suited to be a, a complimentary number two to a true alpha number one. He's not the guy you want anchoring down your wide receiving core. However, when you're going to get that many targets and you're in that position and you do have the skill set to make big plays. Well, then we're talking about a guy who has some upside to go with a volume floor. It's typically what you like in fantasy football, especially when we're talking about a guy who's a low-end wide receiver, two high-end wide receiver, three type of territory, which is where Darnell Mooney is. So that's why I literally like Darnell Mooney. That's why I'm locking him in right about where his value is at. And I think you're getting a guy who might have a little more upside if that offense will give you any extra, but at the very least, the volume will keep him at that wide receiver three. Let's move on to some guy who has been, is very intriguing throughout this entire process and one that even I'm having a little trouble with. Look out for... Look out for Amon Ra St. Brown. So let's get this out of the way. I hope everybody understands that the top five, top three receiver that he was towards the end of the season, that crazy run that he had. That's not really in his range of outcomes for an entire season. Okay. That had a lot of special circumstances to it. Now on the same flip side of that, that doesn't mean he shouldn't get credit for having put up that performance. And even though he was the only guy to throw the ball to, it does not mean he still didn't put up the great overall job that he did to make sure he was able to get open now let me see if we got chris back here chris can you hear us are you good i'm good i, I was being silenced i think by the man <laughs> didn't agree my deandre swift taken and you disappeared exactly. so i'm talking about amon ross St. brown now right now his adp has met wide receiver 22 
And my rank has him at wide receiver 31. And what I was just saying to everybody, just to reiterate for you real quick, is that I think everybody understands he's not the guy who's in the top five during, during the stretch. He's not that guy. There's a lot of special circumstances. He was the only guy left to target. He got a crazy amount of workload. Yes, he deserves credit for being able to put up that performance. Yes, he deserves credit to be able to get open when everybody in the defense knows who is getting the ball in that situation. And I think that's why he still remains a relevant wide receiver here. But when we look at the return of TJ Hawkinson and the return of DeAndre Swift, because remember, DeAndre Swift didn't play most of that part of where he went off. You're talking about a guy in Amon Ross St. Brown who was wide receiver 53 the first 13 weeks of the season when he was sharing targets with those guys. Now, has he established himself to be more than that to this team since then? Yes, I do. That's why I have him ranked as a wide receiver 31. I think I still think he's a wide receiver three. I think of the wide receivers in Detroit, I think there's a pretty good chance he gets the most targets. But what is his upside realistically? Yeah, I mean, I think that you're looking at a receiver two upside-wise. I think probably safety receiver three, as you kind of pointed out. I might be not down necessarily 31, but I think you're talking probably, you know, top 25, maybe 20, maybe a little lower. So I think we're splitting hairs there. But I do think this is a guy that can be a consistent contributor. Uh, I would compare him kind of a Jarvis Landry type of player. So you're going to look at a player that is prime, not recent Jarvis Landry. So we preface with that real quick. Um, but, you know, Jarvis Landry, a guy that you can kind of look at that's going to have that, you know, solid floor. Is he going to be utilized in the red zone? Is he going to get you touchdowns? Is it going to be a lot of games, six catches for 84 yards, which is awesome in full point PPR, but in standard or half point PPR, to your point, maybe it's a, a, a receiver three. So you're not really looking for the upside that you got definitely down the stretch last year. As you pointed out, there's a lot of different factors that kind of led into that. Nobody's going to get a 35% target share that he was basically seeing. A lot of being in the backfield, they moved him all over the place. So with the weapons they have, James Williams that they're going to have back, eventually the season at some point there's a lot of weapons that they're going to have to feed mouths are going to feed i don't like st brown too high but as a guy that i think can be in a, you know a safe receiver three if not maybe sipping that receiver two and just to reiterate the volume for brown was the name of the game during that stretch he didn't have 100 yards until the last two weeks of the season we finally went over 100 yards a lot of it was six to eight catches for 50 to 75 yards, maybe he got a touchdown, maybe he didn't. But just half point, full point PPR, because he was getting that volume, it just established that floor, and that's why he was so good during the stretch. So something just to keep in mind, and that's kind of why I'm a little bit lower on him than the ADP is currently. Look out for... Look out for Adam Thielen. So Adam Thielen, look, I'm convinced he's always going to find a way to find the red zone. That's just what he's going to do. Right now, his ADP is at wide receiver 35. I have him ranked at wide receiver 34. So I'm pretty much right in line there with everybody else as he's a low-end wide receiver three who's touchdown dependent. That's what he is. He has declines at a point where I don't know outside of being an effective red zone option, he can be much more than that. But here's what I'll ask to you, Chris. Does he go one of two ways? Does he decline further and lose out on those touchdowns and then therefore his fantasy floor would go through the, go through the ground? Or does he thrive in this new offense, and can we see a resurgence out of Adam Thielen becoming a wide receiver too? I think you're going to see a resurgence out of Adam Thielen, and I don't think there's just a decline. I think it's more of an assumption by people. When you go through his game log last year, Adam Thielen was not a bad receiver. He didn't stink. He didn't fall off the cliff. His, his separation and all those metrics are, are on, the down, on so, the down. So Now, you talk about some of the metrics and some of the things that are down. Okay. So we're, we're going to look at you as explosive as he was. But Adam Thielen doesn't need to run a 4-4 anymore. This guy wasn't slow. So people kind of have to subject because he was a white guy that he can't run or couldn't do anything. <laughs> so that's not the case. This guy was a very fast receiver, very athletic. So he, maybe he lost a step. He's still very quick. And he has different – he's a great route runner, uses his body well. I just talked about definitely a red zone guy. And they made nothing upgrade-wise to the receiver position, whether it was through the draft or free agency – K.J. Osborne is not going to steal all his touches on the outside. So I think there's plenty of targets for Adam Thielen. If this offense is more fast-paced, you saw OBJ thrive in this offense as an off-receiver. A lot of people are excited about Allen Robinson this year. I think there's no reason, and I think Adam Thielen is criminally, criminally underrated going into this season, and I think that people are definitely going to regret if they're taking him as a receiver three. Ooh. You can put a hot take or not. I have you. 
I'll just give it a hot take alert because we haven't really been able to hit that drop all day. But Adam Chris says, Adam Thielen, you're all crazy. He's a wide receiver at three. I disagree. But I've already made my point, and I want to move on to the next guy, which has got a lot of people trying to figure out what kind of value does he truly have. Look out for. Talking about Alan Lazard. We're looking out for him. Now, his ADP is wide receiver 51 at the moment. I have met wide receiver 42. The reason I'm higher than the ADP and a decent amount so is because we know that when it comes to Aaron Rodgers, he's got to trust you, throw you the football at a consistent rate. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. And one of these Green Bay wide receivers has to be in my wide receiver four category. So if I'm going to put a bet on anybody for a floor, it'll be Al Lazard. He's been good in the red zone. There's no doubt about that. Without Devontae Adams, they need a red zone target. Rodgers has always been terrific himself in the red zone as far as efficiency goes. So I'm giving Lazard a floor of being a wide receiver four and a guy who's interesting to draft and take, and that's why I'm ahead of the ADP. But I do have a question. Because when you look at the rest of the fantasy industry, a lot of them are telling you the same thing I am. Pushing Alan Lazard up, taking him higher than the ADP is going. He has some upside. He's a value at what he's being drafted at right now, which I agree with to a point. There is a question of, is Alan Lazard actually good? So does it matter if he's not actually good? In games with, He's had games without Devontae Adams to take advantage of. And guess what? In those games, he's only averaging... Four, four and a half targets a game in those games. Now, it's five games, small sample size, no doubt about it. But four and a half targets a game when he's had the opportunity to be the number one. There is a question of, are you actually good? Chris, are you taking Lazard higher than the ADP? No. And I'm also going to point out that I think it's between Al Lazard being good and being a receiver one. He's definitely not a receiver one. Alan Lazard's a, a good receiver where he's a good possession type of receiver. He uses his body well. He's going to get open. He's a guy that you could trust, as you kind of pointed out. Fantasy-wise, when you talked about a receiver one, when you get that top defensive corner's attention, when you get defensive coordinators planning to take you away or making sure your life is hard, you talked about being a small sample size. There's nothing in this guy's kind of you know toolbox that's going to make you feel like he's going to be a receiver one ever. So I like Alan Lazard as a maybe possible off somebody else or pairing with somebody else as a receiver two or receiver three as a decent, good, solid NFL receiver. But as a receiver one for this offense, absolutely not. So I think as a, as a guy you maybe take a shot on, sure, but I'm not going to reach for this guy. A lot of the receivers I like with their upside, and I think have more sure kind of potential um, you know, opportunities than I think that Alan Lazard does because there's a lot of mouths to feed this offense and who knows how it's going to shake out. I, I agree, though. I think there's I think there's a lot of 50-50 chances. The one thing I will say is kind of like Thielen's a touchdown-dependent wide receiver three in my book. I could see Lazard getting double-digit touchdowns. That would probably put him in the wide receiver three. That's my upside range of outcome for him. But again, I do go back to, are you actually a good wide receiver? And let's just roll this into the other Green Bay Packer wide receiver conversation. We have Christian Watson, rookie guy, raw. We know he has the big play capability. Right now, sitting at wide receiver 59 ADP-wise, I got him at wide receiver 47. Again, a little bit ahead of the ADP because I'm just reflecting some of the upside that comes with any one of these Green Bay Packer wide receivers, frankly, heading into this year. They might all dud out or a lot of them might dud out. Someone's going to emerge. Now, from a fantasy standpoint, Watson's a little bit more intriguing to me. I don't think he's quite ready to be you know, number one or will even be the lead target or the most trusted guy that Aaron Rodgers goes, goes to. But he has the big play capability. He has the body size for the red zone. And that's what makes him kind of intriguing to me as an upside play or the guy that you're talking about taking as in that wide receiver four, wide receiver five territory. Right now, ADP, he's more in the low end wide receiver five. I do think he's a value there because he has the skill sets of a rookie receiver you're looking for in redraft leagues to actually have fantasy production. But what do you think about taking Watson at his value? 
Yeah, Watson's a guy that I would probably take over Lazard just for the simple upside you kind of talk about. Now, I don't think Watson's necessarily going to be the receiver one for this team. I think that you look at Ian Winfrey last year was a guy that you know leaned on towards the end of the season. He hasn't gone anywhere. So there's guys already there in Green Bay that I still think can, could, you know, going to have a chance to kind of have the targets. But Watson's that guy you talked about with the red zone. I think he's got a better chance of kind of dominating the red zone and being a big play guy than Lazard does. So I look at Chase Claypool a couple of years ago, what he did with Ben Roethlisberger, kind of a limited playing opportunity, but as the big play receiver, as that big target in the red zone, a guy that you can kind of get the ball to, has you know, freakish nature or freakish um, athleticism. So you put those things, I think you could package this guy, and he might be a guy that could be on the radar because he's scoring touchdowns. I still think he's consistent, but I think he can be somebody that maybe can be featured in this offense more so than I'm thinking Alizar would be. One guy, I want to hit the sleeper alert on this. Sleeper alert, you don't even have to draft this guy in redraft leagues, but Romeo Dobbs, I know he was the later rookie taken. Again, Randall Cobb, Sammy Watkins, ghosts themselves, probably done. Dobbs could walk in. I think he could start the slot position day one. And I think of the receivers, Rodgers loves guys who he knows they're going to be where they're supposed to be on the field. Dobbs is that guy. He runs the best patterns, frankly, of this group to be where Rodgers wants him to be. And I think he's more talented than Amari Rodgers. So I look at Romeo Dobbs, the guy who might be a sleeper take. You, 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 you can pick him up on your waiver wire. You're not going to have to draft him, but he's the guy. Keep that name in mind. We do need to move on here, though. I want to quick hit DJ Chark because he might be the number one receiver for the Lions until Jameson Williams is able to come back. But let's look out. Look for out for. So with DJ Shark, he's, he's trying to make his comeback, right? He's trying. He's on a one-year prove-it deal. He's a deep ball threat. There were receivers that are having some success before the end of the year, before everybody got hurt, and it just became the St. Brown show at the end of that. But he figures to play on the perimeter as the big play offensive weapon. How effective is that with a Jared Goff? Look, I like these. His ADP is wide receiver 56. I have him at wide receiver 61. So we're talking about guys in the back end of draft. Yeah, I mean – I think DJ Shark's another guy that you might take a flyer on. You're looking for some upside, possibly. You guy can definitely get you, you know, red zone targets because of his big body. Um, I do worry about the, the usage down the field. Obviously, Jared Goff was horrendous last year of attempting the throws down the field and then actually completing them as well. So I don't really see a, a pathway for him to be explosive down the field. I do think if they can kind of you know, use his route tree a little bit differently, we saw kind of Mike Williams have an explosion and his talent, his his consistency, I should say, last year in the Chargers, kind of being used more in the you know that Michael Thomas role, not asked to just go deep all the time. If they kind of convert DJ Shark with that you know the Saints offense using that in Detroit and kind of let him be a more bigger receiver versus always having to go deep, he could have some production. So I think he's a, a guy that you can have your eye on, but the guy that I'm probably not going to draft going into you know this year. One guy I just want to give like a, a little update to is Jamison Williams. And he's somebody that, you know, I'm very excited about him. I love him. And there's people who are trying to draft him right now. Is that that sleeper shot in the dark guy in the back of the drafts, which I don't think is, is necessarily the wrong thing to do, but I'm not going to waste my time personally in a redraft league when it comes to Jamison Williams. First of all, even if he had a clean, clean tear ACL, his best timeline is eight to nine months. That puts him somewhere between September and October as far as him, him actually being expected to be back on the field or potentially. I see no way, especially from what I read, that he's not going to start the season, at least on the pup list. And then even then, because he's drafted to be the future franchise wide receiver of the Detroit Lions, and I don't expect him to be a playoff team, even if they have improved a little bit, I really question how quickly they're trying to, going to try to push Jamison Williams back. So I don't know if I'm wasting my time. Chris, would you take a shot in the dark on Williams in a redraft league? I absolutely would. Ooh. I understand. I understand the, the concern. And I, if you think that if you're having a weak draft, you can't do that. And if you make sure you need to have depth and you can't take that shot. But if you're feeling strong about your draft and you're getting those later rounds, a guy that I think could be a game changer come November, December playoff time. And once he gets on that field, yeah. I'm a huge Jameson Williams proponent this year and, and moving forward. 
I do love him once he gets on the field, but I think you're going to be able to pick him up. If somebody actually drafts him, there's a better chance than not he'll wind up on your waiver wire in 12-man leagues. I don't think you need to draft him in order to get him. But we got to go through the tight end segment pretty much rapid fire because we only have five minutes left. So let's get to it. Look out. Lock him in. It's a lock. Yeah, lock in TJ Hawkinson as a top 10 guy. Right now, his ADP sits at tight end seven. I have him ranked as my tight end six. Hawkinson was targeted a ton before he went down and got injured last season. While there's some emergence of St. Brown, while there's some other weapons coming in here, I don't think he's going to suddenly go to, you know, being drastically under-targeted. Last year, he was averaging about eight targets per game. Maybe that drops down to six. He's still a tight end who is poised for a third-year breakout. He's still a tight end who is a big feature part of this offense, will be out on the field in every sort of situation. I still love TJ Hawkinson as a top-six tight end. What about you? I don't. I didn't love him last year necessarily. Everybody expected him to, and I know that he was pretty productive while he was out there, but I didn't see the big games I was kind of looking for, and I do think his touches are going to get vultured from him. So I'm not as high on Hawkinson as a lot of people are. Outside of, and, and I guess we'll, we'll take a second to hit this. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Debate TJ Hawkinson, the top six guy. Can't believe it. Outside of the top three guys, though, when you're talking tight, outside of like Kelsey and Kittle and, and Mark Andrews, how many tight ends actually give you these big blow up games that we're talking about? And, and that's kind of more where I go back to my, my point of once you get outside that top three, top four range, you're looking for guys who consistently get targets, consistently get volume. That's TJ Hawkinson, more so than almost anybody else. He, he's in that tier of a Dalton Schultz of those guys. I like Dalton Schultz definitely more, and I talked about that before. I have him my, you know, one of my top guys. But I also look at – and you, you're probably going to poo-poo all of this, but I'll look at Cole Clement, for example. Yeah, why I'll, do people – hold, hold on. Why people love Hawkinson last year? Because he only got a target. The only so, guy to target. So, but the, they wind up having the receiver eventually. The other guys they try to use. Then I'll see Brown. I understand. They also have DeAndre Swift. But having all said all that, looking at the offense, I look at the different teams and I think that he kind of falls on the totem pole. As they get healthier, he falls on the totem pole. While there's some other tight ends in positions where they could be the outcome of the that. offense in the red zone. And we don't, but we didn't know that for sure last year going into the season. People love Hawkinson more than I do. I don't think he's this all-pro tight end that people do, so that's where we're a little bit different. You're out of your mind. <laughs> TJ Hawkins. I just, I just don't think he's going to be a top-six tight end this year, so that's my that's my take. We can argue top, not top-six, but not an all-pro. You're out of your mind. All right, let's, let's we got to hit it quickly. Let's go to Cole Komet, who you just mentioned, and I'm not going to hit the drop for this real quick. Cole Komet, right now, he's sitting at ADP, tight end 13. He is my tight end 14. He's at that top end, tight end 2 range. But he's got to break out in order for us to see it. If it doesn't happen this year, I don't know when it would happen because, like we're saying, reduced targets. Outside of Darnell Mooney, not so many other options for Justin Fields to be able to go to. So quickly, does Komet break out this season? I, I agree with you. This is the year if he's going to do it, it's going to be this year. But having said that, his breakout – when you get past those top certain guys, five, six guys, I think everybody has a chance to kind of fall in that 18-15 role where you can have a you know a guy jump here or there. Cole Clement has that best, one of the better jumping opportunities in this offense, and as you kind of talked about, where he falls in the food chain. Look out for... All right, look out for Robert Tanyan. He's trying to make his way back from his ACL injury. This is a guy that you know a lot of people love because he was the touchdown man. That's the problem, though, with tight ends when they're touchdown dependent is that the touchdowns go away, so does your so does your tight end value. But we talked about all the Packer options right now. Could Tanya just work his way back to maybe being a more involved option between the 20s and possibly be the top red zone option? I don't think so. They really like the Davis kid that they're talking about. They're talking up a lot just going into this season. They liked him last year. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. Also, they they drafted the Gore, but I'm talking. There's another kid. There's another kid, Davis, that they like. So, do they also have the Gore as well? So, I do think there's other tight ends that are kind of healthy. And Tanya's coming back from major injury. These other guys are more little explosive. There's so I don't like Tanya necessarily to make that jump and get back to where he was. You know, a fantasy in the top tight end fantasy conversation. I think those days are done. All right, let's look at let's look at the look out for Irv Smith. I love Irv Smith. I loved his talent coming out of college. I thought this guy has a great profile as an athletic tight end who could definitely 
come in and be fantasy relevant. Right now, though, the ADP is a hell of a lot more confident than I am because they got him at tight end 14. I have him at tight end 20 at the moment. Part of that is that I have to see him get back on the field. The other part of that is Irv Smith's not the best blocker in the world, and Kevin O'Connell is coming from a system where a tight end who blocks is a tight end who's on the field all the time, a la Tyler Higby compared to Gerald Everett. Now, I think, don't get it twisted, I think Irv Smith is infinitely more talented than the Gerald Everett is, but I think we're all getting ahead of ourselves. We think automatically because of the coaching change switch that Irv Smith is going to be this guy. I think he has some potential, but I, at tight end 14, you're talking about somebody who might be getting drafted if you're taking another tight end in 12-man leagues, taking a second and one because you don't want to stream. Irv Smith, to me, is somebody who strictly, in redraft leagues, to be somebody you're picking up off the waiver wire and plugging in if he has a good matchup or is starting to show some promise at some point. But what do you think? you think he has more, more upside than I'm giving him credit for? No, I 100% agree with you. Don't get it twisted. Kevin O'Connell doesn't feature the tight end position. People have been telling Hugby to go off for the last couple of years. He had a good year a couple of years ago. Uh, that went away once they got different weapons and they did different quarterbacks. So I don't see this tight end, this tight end being prioritized in this offense. Irv Smith's still going to be a good player, can be effective week to if week, but he's definitely a streaming option, not a guy you should be drafting. All right. Thank you, Chris, for your time. Thank you all to you, the MD Nation, for tuning in to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We will be back next week with the AFC North breakdown, and that's going to be with stepmom Lauren. That's right. Lauren Carpenter is joining the show, Fantasy Sports Writers Association, also did some work with the fantasy footballers and fantasy pros, been after her for a while, so very excited to have her on to talk about the all-so-daunting AFC North in next week's show. We'll be back at 10 o'clock on our, the MD's Fantasy Football Show YouTube channel. Please subscribe. Follow us on social media at Show and download us and give us a five-star review on your favorite podcast app so you can listen to all of our episodes at your convenience. I'm Dan Mater, and I'll see you guys next week. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.